Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Greetings. You've landed at the VUC, IP Communications and VoIP Community. We would like to thank Simwood.com for their support. Simwood can turn you as a developer into a telco. Our hosted PBX is from OnSIP.com, and you can go to GetOnSIP.com for a URL people can click to call you. We've been privileged over the last five years to be using the best conference bridge on the planet. Yes, I'm talking about ZipDX.com, full-color, full-featured, full-HD conference bridge. Our website, VUC.me on the web, is hosted by Bluehost.com. And our worldwide local rate dial-ins are from Voxbone.com. Okay, and with that absolute production by some unknown voiceover guy, we turn it over to Michael for uh, a great session with Grandstream Security and Surveillance. Pass it on. It's a trend, isn't it? We're, we're, uh, we're getting a lot of that. Um, well, hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before I introduce to explain how this came about, um, it's actually been a couple of years that I've been uh, thinking about violence, uh, but security issues. Uh, and it starts from, you know, uh, a long-standing issue with intercoms and SIP devices at the gate, that kind of stuff. Uh, but a couple of months started playing with uh, some things that we could put around the home and office here that would uh, let us keep an eye on, particularly the front of the property, because uh, it's a and there's a lot of sort of small-time, you know, convenience uh, Crimes of convenience, automotive break-ins, this kind of stuff. Um, but also, I'm doing video and uh, have done my entire career, and so I thought this was an opportunity to play with some good stuff. So I acquired some hardware, and I was disappointed. And I acquired some other hardware, and I was disappointed, and I sent it back. And I heard stories of neighbors acquiring professionally installed systems and spending a fortune. I decided away. And in particular, there has to be something that we can do that was going to be an intelligent, affordable surveillance capability that integrated with our SIP phones. And what I ended up with was several of these, which are lovely cameras by Grandstream. And through phase one of the installation, we have a couple of these mounted up and, and a couple of other little things installed. We'll be taking a look at that shortly. And I was so tickled about this and also by the, the way they integrate the phones that we have on hand that I thought, gee, I will talk to Phil Bowers from Grandstream and I will get Phil to tell me all about this and how it's an opportunity for the sales channel for DIY folks who are a little above average um, like we have on this call. So, Phil, welcome. Thanks, Mike. How are you? I'm good. And are you... Uh, yeah, somehow, you know, we're staying digged out of the snow and, you know, more is coming, but we're, we're doing our best. Excellent, excellent. Well, um, I'll give my install sure. and, and, and we can sort of wind through this a little bit. I'm, I'm very DIY. And, and in fact, um, as I've been talking to neighbors about getting a lot of uh, comments back going, oh, would you come and do mine? Or, or <laughs> you know, could you give, give me a, a list of equipment that I could buy and, and we'll, you know, go off and do that. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, but um, what I've got is just a couple of the GXV series cameras, and I've got fixed view cameras. Um, 
And take us through the camera line. What, what do you have in the way of cameras? How, what do they address? So the different kinds sure. are there. Sure. So our current line of cameras, um, there's a pretty big focus on I guess, cameras. We've uh, recently kind of switched up, not switched up, but updated our line. Um, pretty much five major cameras in our line right now. All of them are SIP-based talked about. Um, one of the great reasons why our cameras can integrate so closely with not just our SIP telephony, but almost any SIP telephony is because these cameras run almost the stack that the phones do. So it just allows you to communicate with the PBX, communicate with any SIP endpoint. Um, so primarily now we have five different cameras. They range um, in terms of the millimeter spec, which, as you know, will you know generally tell you what field of view um, you're going to be viewing. Um, for the weather certified cameras, which means that they are built with weatherproof casing, there's actually a certification for that. Um, we have a variety of cameras that actually have SD card slots um, to allow you to, you know, create local recording solution like we were talking about yesterday. Um, infrared cameras as well. Uh, a couple of variable focal allows you to adjust the lens, obviously, um, in case you might be moving it around or to allow it to fit, um, you know, what you're doing. And then kind of to complete that whole thing, as you know, we came out GVR 3550 network video recorder back in November just to kind of, you know, cre create that full surveillance solution, give you a dedicated solution to record cameras from. Now, that it's interesting. There's a You mentioned a couple of things there, and, and, and so I want to give a little bit of um, insight, not be intimate sure. with all of this. Um, one of the things about the cameras, I, and I, this is my MO. I buy something, I play with it. If I like it, I keep it. I talk about it. I, I use it. If I don't like it, I don't talk about it. I just send it back. And, <laughs> um, and so, um, but I will say, when you go and you look at the best buys of the world and the fries and all the places that the DIY kind of folks are going to be able to go, they're going to find things by Talos and Swan. And um, these are... Uh, going to you know Lowe's and and uh, Home Depot and these kinds of places because they oftentimes have this something like this, but these guys are in in promoting um, because I I saw a promotion just recently at Best Buy that was like an eight camera system with an NBR, but it was technology that I could see was 20 years old. I mean this was cameras that were. Um, the, the, if you see a camera that's quoted in something called TV lines or TDL, and, and they'll say, oh, it's 600 TVL or something like that. Well, what people don't necessarily understand is it's an analog camera mm -hmm. that has a coaxial line that gets fed off to, to whatever its little recorder is. And so that 700 TV lines, it's something just less than standard def TV circa 2000, yep. which I thought was pretty cheesy. It's when, you know, when, when my smartphone can do... Uh, 1080p video. Why? Why wouldn't my surveillance system be capable of doing something a little, a little better? So that, but that, that was the part that kind of confused me. And that's at the DIY end. Now, when you go up beyond that, you get into things where okay, it's not do it yourself. -based. So you're then relying upon a value-added reseller or a mm -hmm. security specialist to come in and help you with all of that. And so I'm going to try and do this, and I hope I'm going to see uh, what I ended up doing. I'm, I'm, oh, that's not good, is it? Hang on, we'll try that again. I'll be right back. Uh, or not. Dangerous demos. <laughs> yes. Part one. Trying to, make, trying to make one computer do it, and it's really comfortable doing. Um, just a second, we'll do this a different way. Uh, it's a web share. We're doing a web share. And then we'll br bring the camera back. So what I was getting some measurements of my property, 
figuring out what I wanted to cover. Now on the left side there is the street side of the property and the right side is the back end of the property. And I wanted to figure minimum kind of sensible thing that I needed to keep an eye on the places I wanted to keep an eye on. When in particular, in the front here, you know, the cars are always parked out here. And, and so I ordered one with a 3.6 millimeter lens and one with an 8 millimeter lens uh, to try and figure out what was the geometry that was going to cover that. And I discovered two cameras, six millimeter lenses, covers the 90 foot distance across the front of our property, which was, okay, pretty cool, I thought. Um, and then I, I decided, okay, well, look, I could put another wide angle camera over here. My office is actually back in the garage here, and, and another, uh, the narrow field camera looking down a longer channel there. Um, are there any you know, channel ge uh, camera geometries involved, or, or tell us where, this is residential, obviously. Sure. In, in, a, in a business application, where hand tilt zooms and variable geometry lenses, and, you know, zoom lenses, and this kind of stuff come into play? Because it's it's kind of beyond the scope of what I'm doing, but you must see sure. that. Yeah, so I mean, to be honest, we actually don't do any PTZ cameras. I think the one thing you'll see and the one thing that we found is as soon as you put a PTZ engine or motor in a camera, it almost doubles the price of the camera, uh, triples even. Um, so, I mean, honestly, primarily for a business application, what you'd be looking at in terms of angles and whatnot is very similar to what you just, the example you just, um, you know, I, I always kind of explain it to people. It, that millimeter lens specification really tells you everything you're going to need to know pretty much um, in terms of what it's going to Obviously, the, the lower end of the spectrum, I'll say anything two to four to five millimeters somewhere in there is going to be wider angle closer to the camera like you just showed and anything eight millimeters plus I believe we go up to 12 millimeters um is more for distance a parking lot a driveway like you just showed a hallway kind of thing yeah exactly thing. a large area whatnot okay um so it, it, in my perspective, well, I really, and because and, we've done things with Logitech before, and I really use cameras as a production tool if I'm doing sure. a video project. But um, in my mind, from a surveillance perspective, PTZ means you've got somebody monitoring. They have a, a need to, in a live context, move Absolutely. the camera around, change the field. And that, that was not what I was going to have. Um, but the the other thing that I think was uh, the ability, I, I mean, I, I think in the old days, people were the cameras have motion activation, so they can invoke a recording capability. Absolutely. Um, uh, and so you can you you see some movement. I, my Labrador walks across the front yard. It starts recording. Uh, but I think what what was this idea that hard drives are so big now and video comparatively small in terms of the amount of data H.264 presents sure. that we could with a two gigabyte literally record 24/7 those two cameras across the front and hold three weeks worth of continuous storage wow. and just sort of cycle through that. And um, in, in a business application, how what do people often do? What do you see deployed uh, in the way um, of recording and, and sure. that sort of thing? It, it's a lot of, honestly, again, kind of what you just explained where, um, you know, especially, specifically the channels and the resellers we deal with generally are selling into small, medium-sized businesses. Companies that don't full-time security guy or that don't, you know, bring in Tyco or anybody to, you know, do a $100,000 surveillance installation. So a lot of it is the motion detection, quite honestly. Our cameras offer, for each camera, 16 different uh, motion detection areas. Each area can have a different sensitivity, so you can literally have it set for if you, if a leaf blows by and you want it to go off because of that, it can, or if you want it to only do when, you know, motion occurs for a couple of seconds in front of the camera. Um, so we definitely find it's that, and then people were, and which is why we kind of followed up with that NVR, that 
a lot of these SMBs were looking to have these videos recorded, whether it be to a server on a PC on their network. And it was actually easier for them to kind of put this NVR in, have it separate from that server, that computer network, and just tap it right into your without having to connect the cameras directly to it. Which is another thing, a great thing about SIP cameras is that you can utilize the existing infrastructure you already have. If you have a full IP for your phones, you have all the infrastructure you need for IP surveillance as well. You know, and I think one of the things that people said to me, I would really, because they were, you know, here again, I'm in a residential application and, and I'm looking at a DIY approach. A lot of people were saying, I really and I really want a wireless cameras. I, I don't want to go crawling through the attic and pulling cables and stuff like that. But in reality, even the wireless cameras that I've seen, and, and we actually had a little Lorex system for a while, um, they're wireless to the extent that the video maybe goes over Absolutely. a wireless link, but you still have to pull power to that camera location. Yeah, and, so and if you're going to put power there, you might all of our cameras are PoE also, so there you go, one, cow, one cable for power and for a connection. Exactly. And, and, and being Ethernet connected, it didn't involve the term I've only come to understand recently, Siamese cabling, which is a coaxial cable that's bonded to a power cable so that they can deliver power control and over the coax, which is how the analog cameras generally work. Um, I thought that was kind of obtuse hmm. because you, you're, you're using a, a sort of a custom dedicated cable now. You might have saved the cameras to go with analog cameras, but you're, you, you have a more proprietary installation. Absolutely. So, but at least that's a three-way Siamese camera where you have the serial connection for the dwell. That can happen. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. What, I have a question about the PoE, though. Is it, uh, is it passive PoE or is it 802.3? It's the second one, right? It's the 802.3 yeah. PoE. In, in my case, I just bought a little 8-port PoE switch, and I switched out a switch that's in the house where our, our network cabling is in, in the closet there so that I can have... Um, you know, eight cameras around the house if I want, and that'll get sort of backhauled back on um, I have a question about types of cameras. Now, these are what you call bullet cameras. Sure. And they are sort of fixed position. Uh, they're quite a um, and they're the video on the video from them is startlingly good. And I'm going to take the opportunity here to show you. Um, and in this particular case, because I'm hooked up, for, I'm going to show using um, one of your. 3275 cameras, or not cameras, uh, phones. Why did you tell us about the phone? Yeah, so what you're looking at here is um, a live feed of Michael's GXV3275. Um, I'm sure most of you primarily know us for the IP telephony endpoints. That's historically um, what our market has been. That's kind of where we got to be. And now we've moved into more different communication solutions. But anyway, so that phone is an Android-based IP phone. It is basically, the way that I describe it, it's an Android with a six-line IP phone connected to it. It has a camera built into it. It's got a full web browser. It's got full access to the Google Play Store, so you can download um, you know, SoftLink. Um, you know, Michael showed us before he actually could attend this webinar on uh, Google Hangouts running on that phone. Um, really just, you know, kind of a lot of different things, kind of takes a lot of the popular, the priority of the, um, you know, bring your own device to work in terms of using apps that you may be familiar with, kind of puts that on your eye. Um, and one of the best things about it in terms of security is that it's able to, um, you know, as long as the cameras are registered as an extension on a PBX, you can extend the cameras at any point in time to see their live feed. 
the uh, cameras, when motion is detected, for example, can make a live video call to any of those video phones here on the screen. Uh, we can get into this a little bit later. It's also great for um, for uh, door access solutions, access solutions, things like that. Sure. One of the things that I've uh, noted, and I, I think this is fabulous, in fact, is uh, when you look at that, if I try to reach out to my other camera, let's say here, um, I've got one for the VUC, uh, one for our gate phone, which is an Algo Solutions thing. Pat Byrne, we love you, man. That's an awesome product. Um, and we'll try this other uh, camera. The video come up from this camera. This is not the 720p video. <laughs> it's definitely not. That camera might be a regard. Uh, the other one. This is not the 720p video that we're actually capturing to our recorder. Um, the cameras have the ability to think about them as being servers. They have the ability to sustain um, two HD streams, so two proper HD streams to uh, say to a network video or web-based client, sure. and then they also have a, a secondary video stream, which can be something lesser resolution. So I have been using, sorry, tiny window over there. Um, I have been using. Uh, an inexpensive Android app on my Nexus tablet to check the cameras from the phone. Sure. And so if somebody you know rings our gate phone and I'm in the house and and uh, my wife answers on the phone, I can in in just a second actually call up the camera views on this Android app. But I'm not using the high connection, which means the connections are are faster. And I think that's just lovely the way you can have these sort of parallel infrastructures of uh, IP video to a recorder and then beside that, that that's great. Absolutely. Um, so how do how do these work with your PBXs? We know they work with the phones because we're seeing that. How do they work with the PBX? Sure. So as I mentioned, the cameras basically have the same or similar SIP stacks as our phones do. Therefore, you can configure these to a PBX, give it an extension um, that you would a phone. And simply put, when you do that, it just allows you to, you know, make um, some of the some of our cameras, actually some other features I'll get into, so, for example, have... Um, actually have a built-in microphone and speaker on the camera, some of them, on, and then all the rest of them will have audio in, or audio output to speakers intercom. So you could pick up, uh, you know, even if it's just a voice phone, call one of these cameras, and basically use the camera as an intercom. You could obviously do that with video too, and it's not, you know, voice intercom, it's a voice and video intercom. We see that pretty popularly around, like, the back door entrance to somebody's warehouse. So it just automatically, you know, you can call that on there at any point in time. Um, what else? There we oh, go. yeah. So there's the zero config feature, which our PBX supports. Uh, you know, basically just allows you to add these cameras to it um, and any phone or any device as well. Um, and really just allow the PBX, if you uh, give it, give everything its own extension, uh, kind of apply a general set of rules to a larger group of extensions, whether they be cameras or whatnot. Um, you know, and... In that way, the you know the PBX simply is kind of like the the anchor of that communication between the cameras and any other SIP endpoint, whether it be a SIP video phone or a SIP whatnot. Yeah, it's worth noting that the cameras that I have here, these um, 3275s, um, you can see they have a, a like so. Sure. This, by the way, was yeah, the most difficult thing about the installation is that that hang on, I'll I'll go back to something simple. The um, the the plug. The Ethernet plug to drill a pretty big hole to actually pull that through a wall. It's like an inch or an inch and an eighth you have to drill to, to pull that through. Sure. Um, but other than, other than that, they were they were dead simple to install. Uh, uh, power and and separate audio. So um, 
what kind of audio devices? I mean, I haven't seen, I haven't done this yet. Audio devices, would I plug into this? Because it's like audio in, audio out. But if you have the camera mounted high as we do, there's sure. not a lot of point in that. Um, yeah, what do people using generally? I'll be honest, we, you know, it's not a massive, like, overwhelming use of these, the audio in, audio out. It's mostly the speakers. Um, for the intercom kind of solution, like I just talked about, mostly just connecting it to a you know a speaker that may be there. You know, if you are moving over from an analog system, a lot of those older analog systems have speakers and intercoms in them. So just to be able to integrate it with that, just to use a third-party outside speaker. Okay. Um, now I started out. The, the cameras come with a CD that has some software that's called uh, G Surf Pro or GS Surf sure. Pro. And, and I used that at first. I just took a, a utility PC on there, and I, I, it's basically an entirely software approach to, to recording the video. Sure. And that was great, except my, my utility PC was drawn 600 watt. Yeah. Uh, it was not the kind of thing where I wanted to put it in my network closet, and I had to leave a monitor on it and all of that. And so um, uh, what we're looking at here now is the web interface to your NVR. Uh, now, this is a new product, isn't it? Yeah, uh, we came out with it in November of last year. So, yeah, still relative. And what can you tell us about it? I'm going to try and dial up the resolution of what I'm showing here so we can... There we go. Sure. Now you're... Because, yeah. um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm actually... The actual thing, and you can see all the status and... It's a one-new box. It's DIY, but you got to be a little bit handy because you sure. have to take the lid off, put some hard drives into it. Um, but I'm not, I'm not kidding. It took me less than unfigured to open it up, put the two hard drives in, boot it, and, and away it went. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, and then as I'm sure you saw, you know, adding the camera, you know, searching for cameras on your network, clicking next to the box next to those cameras, and it automatically right away adds it right to here. And then yeah, exactly. you set up recording or whatever schedule you want for that. So kind of yeah, scheduling I haven't got into. Right now they're just set to record everything all the time. So sure. there's no particular. And honestly, that's what a lot of them for anyway. It's just 24/7 recording. This this thing is actually remarkably inexpensive. Could you tell us something about its capabilities sure. in the larger install? Yeah. Uh, one of the the way that we kind of talk about it is it's um you know it's it's a very simple, easy to install. Uh, NVR with actually class, it, it supports more hard drives and more storage capacity than any NVR in the small to medium sized business class. Um, does up to 24 in terms of the hard drive support, as you mentioned, it does not come with hard drives. Um, we have a list of recommended hard drives that we've actually tested on our website. Um, up to uh, four, four terabyte hard drives, so that's 16 terabytes total. I mean, you mentioned before that you were able to, with, through two cameras, I believe, record for a couple of gigs. So, you know, this can support a lot more in terms of the storage capacity. Um, can do up to 24 cameras um, here. Um, the RAID 0 and the RAID 1, I think you mentioned you were using RAID 1. Uh, you have the option to use either or, kind of, you know, to specify... Um, you know, it's more important to you in terms of redundancy or backup. Um, you know, it supports all of our cameras. It supports any third-party OnVIF compliant. OnVIF is kind of a um, video that's out there on the market. Um, supports any third-party OnVIF cameras as well. Um, you know, just basically it's a dedicated recording, um, yeah, dedicated re and monitoring solution. You see there on the screen, has full support for the H.264 codec. Um, so a lot of, you know, really powerful box, and it retails, I believe, for 89 to 89 Again, there's no hard drives installed yet. Um, those are, as you mentioned earlier, the price of 
data storage is becoming so cheap anymore that you know hard drives don't get used to. Um, so for a couple hundred bucks here, you can you know put in a, a full solution with a couple of cameras that can you know with this MVR to monitor and record all of them 24. Is there any facility within this to offload the media if you wanted to have some offsite backup, you know, uh, an FTP service or something like that? Sure. There's uh, somewhere within this, there's a uh, ability to back it up to uh, FTP server, HTTPS, or to um, believe to offload it to other that might be on your network. I'll be completely honest. I'm not sure within the user interface exactly where that is. Yeah, neither, neither am I. It's not something I've ever done. Michael, you're asking my questions. How dare you? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, but you can see here, I've got a, a RAID 1 stripe with two terabytes of space. It's since, uh, let's say, Saturday, and it's used about 400 gig of space. Uh, two terabytes, my experience is I can store these two cameras at 720p for about three weeks. And that's... I mean, that's as much as ever I need. Incidentally, since we installed this, we have already, I'll come back to this here, uh, we have already um, uh, identified somebody who perpetrated an evil deed on the street in front of our house. Um, somebody go. drove past, uh, uh, clipped a mirror off our neighbor's truck, and we were able to identify the plate on the truck and uh, and have it addressed. So that, that was kind of handy. Uh, anyway, um, uh, returning to cameras for a second, could you t tell me, and I started to go down this path earlier, why somebody would camera versus a bullet camera or <laughs> one of your, one of your like, box cameras? Because sure. I, don't, I don't get that. <laughs> you know what? I think it has to do with the location that you're putting it in, what the infrastructure. I'll find usually that a dome camera is going to go directly on a ceiling. A bullet camera is going to go on a wall rather than being put on the ceiling. It really, in my opinion, has more to do with where you're putting them and the, the, you know, the visual look of the camera with the surroundings. Mm. And, and obviously, you know, the ability um, with the dome ones, it, does it get a little bit of a wider angle? Yeah, it gets a little bit of a wider angle with the dome cameras. So, you know, for example, like an entrance to something you're going to want a bit wider angle, dome camera is good for that. Um, you don't honestly lose all that much by using, if you had a dome camera and a bullet camera at about the same uh, millimeter spec, not going to in terms of the wide, how wide the angle is, but one advantage. Yeah, I mean, my approach was experimental, was to uh, get a couple of different cameras and see what happened. But uh, I, I guess not having a, a ceiling-mounted situation, I didn't see the dome cameras as being um, appropriate. But then exactly. literally, literally a couple of weeks later, my his system installed, which is done by a contractor, and he's got wall-mounted dome cameras, which I thought, okay. Huh. It's, it's I don't think that's of, the point of them, but okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know he he, he, paid, um, he had four a four camera system put in with an MDR and paid literally about five times what we've got invested in ours. In the service of having it installed, but I'm sure, which is which is fine. Um, okay, here's a, a a tough question maybe. Um, when when people do this, what kind of films do they have when they're specking out these sorts of things? Or do you? I mean. If you have 24 cameras, that's a lot of cameras, and this, this the NVR can handle that, which is kind of awesome. But what if, you know, pitfalls do you see people running into? Is it like you know, not using a weatherproof camera in some place that ends up being weather exposed, or um, I don't know? Yeah. Feeling, um, yeah. <laughs> so I, honestly, I think the first thing is is bandwidth, and that you know obviously has much to do with your network capability action that you have. Um, you know, especially if you're using a, an older non-gigabit network that can, you know, or non-gigabit PoE switches or what have you. That, um, you know, bandwidth is, is certainly 
probably the, the largest thing that, that you'll see um, in terms of that. Um, I'm just thinking is over gigabit, my is, is gigabit really a factor? Or, or I mean, it's probably a question. And now here's moment. one final uh, I'm, question I'm not from Exactly. So like, you know, a larger business final. network, like our, our office here in Boston with, you know, we have 35, 40 people on, you know, phone lines on the same network. So, you know, bandwidth would definitely be more important for somebody like us than for a home user or even a, you know, four or five person home office or a smaller office. Hmm. I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I, I'm, I'm surprised. No, it's all right. Somebody just, um, uh, another thing to follow up on, let me just, um, little estimation that we have that, for example, 20 cameras running at 1080p HD could run you up to 100 megs. Um, so obviously your internet does support that or your network. Sure. Yeah, yeah your network. I mean, I, I think um, when we're talking about network infrastructure like this, all you know, one of them had to drill home to a couple of people who I was talking about is it's really important that your switches, if you're using PoE, your switches be on UPSs, and that the NVR be on your UPS, and don't don't go to heck when you have a power line bump. Absolutely, um, and, and that sort of thing, um, which I think is quite good. The other thing is some people were talking to me about uh, things like because you know we get a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of brand awareness, right, in the world, and sure. people are saying, well, I'm just going to put in four drops. Sure. Drop cams are drop cams are cool, and I'm like, wow, four drop cams. One, they're Wi-Fi only, <laughs> and then they need like they need a couple of megabits each. And what kind of in do you have at that site? And and you're going to soak up all that bandwidth, exactly. and they, they only record to their cloud service. Uh, it's kind of funny. Drop cam is great for keeping an eye monitor, right? One or two cameras. Eye. Yeah, um, and and there are a variety of things like that. Or so and, and uh, tied to other things. Honestly, these things look as good as some of the production cameras I've worked on years back. So I'm quite impressed. Uh, and I R C from Daniel, by the way, uh, about the capability of TLS SRTP encryption. Sure. Yeah. All the all of our cameras have for uh, SIP over TLS and SRTP. Okay. That was easy. Yeah. And uh, and what about what about sort of a multi-stream? I know I have some cameras where you can basically go to it from a from a URL. Just you punch in a URL, and there's like 15 to choose from, and each one is a bit rate, frame rate, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, it just I'm sure it's just a it's just a little servlet on the on the camera where it will you know, you, you essentially serve up a, a stream of that size. So my question is. Um, can they also be used in that way? In other words, like left the realm of SIP, you know, where you're signaling them with SIP. If, for example, you wanted to just use, um, you know, a camera management system that is just expecting to query for a stream, you know, via HTTP. Sure. sure. Good question. I'm actually going to bring in Sean Riley, uh, our partner, global partner marketing manager, who's going to be a question a little bit better than I would. <laughs> so. and, and Carl, I will show you one of the camera's user interfaces. Because you just go to the camera directly, uh, what you're going to see. Just a second. It'll take me a second to dial the resolution up, going between sources. This is the web interface for one of the cameras directly. So Firefox oh, I, at the I, camera. Uh, it'll, 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 take yeah. me a, it'll take me a minute to get there. I'm on my mobile phone. Ah, okay. No problem. I'll when I'm back on my PC. Okay. Carry on. You were, you were going to address what he was saying. Good. Yeah, so uh, just to kind of briefly answer, so first to be able to dial in, um, obviously you can do it a number of different ways. If you have a home PBX, it's simply just connecting to that and then the extension. Um, but in terms of the fist, 
you know, if you have a static IP at home, obviously you can just directly connect to it that way uh, through username and password. Otherwise, we actually support and you can actually see on our camera UI uh, the ability to use a DDNS service uh, and have it redirect uh, directly to your camera that way as well. I see. But and as far as like, and but 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 I think you're saying that that yes, you can just use a browser and a browser will, uh, you know, and a, and it will it will serve up either a stream or a series of JPEGs uh, to a browser for the asking. Yes, absolutely. So uh, browser, uh, mobile clients. How you get there? Whether you're getting there via VPN or via 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 NAT, via static IP, DDNS, so on. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Now, I have been using this little app uh, on my Android tablets because people were asking about uh, remote monitoring, and uh, that wasn't something that I was particularly interested in, that is, paying somebody to monitor it. Um, but there's this Android app called TinyCam Pro. Sure. Which is just like five bucks, and it, it does on Android. Um, it, it, I haven't got my, my tablet hooked up to, uh, to be able to, to see its video, but this is... See if we can get that there. The camera's being monitored on my tablet, right? Just over my local Wi-Fi. And so all I do is I have a, a VPN client on my tablet. I VPN connect to the house. And if I'm out away from the house, I just VPN connect back to the house. And away it goes. Sure. Um, that's maybe a little more DIY, the VPN part, than than some people would be would be willing to put up with. But it's it's fine in my case. I'd rather yeah. be beholden to some you know, Dropcam cloud service that I don't know anything about. So. And as a little bit of a teaser, we're actually coming out with our own Grandstream branded app to do Exit Show, to be able to view your cameras remotely on a smartphone, tablet, what have you. Is that related to the Wave? Um, It's kind of related to the Wave, yeah. I mean, you obviously. tell people about the Wave? Because the Wave is so, new. Sure, yeah. Grandstream Wave is a free Android soft phone application that we launched. It is, again, it's completely free. And it supports up to six tip accounts. It can do up to six-way voice conferencing. It has, you know, full PBX integration in terms of dial, BLF. Um, you know, and again, it's, it's a free soft phone application for Android. Um, by the end of the year, we're looking to also release um, iOS as well. And there you go. He's got it running. Yeah. Um, free soft phones are very popular in these circles. <laughs> yeah. I would have anything, any kind of free app. And it looks surprisingly familiar. It looks like I may know the people who are behind it. So, Another question from Daniel, if you will. Uh, can the camera send an instant message instead of initiating a call when detecting motion? Could be more friendly notification towards mobile uh, device to call back if you see to see what happens. I, was that clear? I kind of read. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I mean, and Sean, tell me if I'm wrong. I think the best option in terms of that is our cameras can actually send screenshots to up to three different email addresses when motion is detection or detected, and you could you know get that email on your cell phone or on your tablet. Uh, I think that would be the best option there. Yeah, yeah, yeah much better than SMS. Yeah, definitely. yeah, absolutely. And then again, if you have a PBX configured for either your, your home, your home office, uh, you also have the ability through the PDX to actually set up an external call. So again, you could make a call through your mobile client uh, that is still home, and now all of a sudden, uh, rather than getting a text or email, you all of a sudden have an incoming video feed on your smartphone at home uh, to see whatever the motion is at your so here's what I have set up, if you can see my video. I have two motion zones that correspond to the sidewalk um, on this particular camera. 
and I need to play with the sensitivity. It's not quite right yet. Um, but then you can record video on motion detection, or you can send a voice alarm to the SIP phone, or upload to the NVR. And that, yep. honestly, I'm doing that just because um, I'm tracking for a certain kind of behavior, and it just gives me a list in the database of all the different alarms been triggered, so that I can then go in the in the recorded video to those points and and, and look for what I'm looking for. Um, upload alarm to a web server or upload video to everything. And then you can have that all on a schedule. And mm -hmm. these params, right, this is how the params are set on the camera's web interface itself. Yep. But they're, they're equally applicable to the recorder's um, capabilities. Mm -hmm. So you can do, now, does that, and, and help me here, does that mean that I can set parameters of the camera from the NVR or does the NVR have its own capabilities that are separate? I believe it's uh, it's separate, right? Yeah. I mean, the one thing I, I think we added the ability to set most for each camera through the NVR, um, but in terms of everything else, it's through the camera. We did, and the reason okay. we have some redundancy there, and, and this overlap where you can choose it on the NVR as well. That although we uh, we hope and obviously design our NVR to work very well with our own cameras, we recognize that not everyone's going to be using great screen cameras; they'll use other other cameras, uh, and as a result, we're designed for the spec. So in case there isn't this feature set available on another camera, we can actually control it from the NVR. Obviously, all Grandstream cameras uh, have that functionality that you can dial directly into the camera as well, but this gives a redundancy in case you don't have that. Sure. For a second at a nighttime capability. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, so um, my question is whether your cameras have uh, provision for uh, inputs. Uh, like, for example, if I had uh, some external uh, event that I wanted to uh, signal to the camera to either, you know, take a picture, send an upload, do something special based on an external event, um, you know, whether that's a pressure sensor or, a, or a something other, so some dry loop contact, to dry contact, contact closure, and also, uh, you know, sort of inversely, is there a way to uh, to, 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 to fire a trigger using the camera. So, for example, a door opener or, a, you know, or something. Uh, or a taser. So, specifically with the SIP door opener, we actually had a user interface. All of the cameras do have support for SIP door openers, um, which, you know, could lead us transition or transition us into the whole uh, how to use these cameras in the video uh, door facility access solution. Um, in terms of you know some of the other things that you uh, mentioned, tell me, you, uh, Sean, Adam, some of the cameras do have uh, these. This this one we don't. This one here does not have it, but do have alarm input and alarm output with these uh, audio and with the network cable. So you can um, connect it through those cables and then go into the user interface for the camera to kind of tell the camera what to do when that third-party motion sensor using tell you know tells the camera that something has gone off. I just brought up some uh, recorded video night. It kind of indicates what the nighttime capability is. Sure. So there's there's a street light out in front of our house, but but this is pretty plain as day. I've also yeah. got it running on speed, which I find uh, recording the video and having the video on hand. Okay, that's a problem solved. Tracking through hours of video to find the event that you want that's tedious. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys can do anything about that, you know, maybe a partnership with IBM for their Watson or something like that. <laughs> but um, anyhow, like well, let's uh, let's uh, ask for questions from the amassed audience. We still have eleven in the audience. 
and uh, I've about run out of questions. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, so and this is the perfect question to ask uh, with Michael on the call because he's like who understands concepts like this, at least one guy I know. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of cameras that like I'm thinking specifically of, um, I'm thinking specifically of, uh, what's the name of that company now? Uh, uh, ubiquity networks. They, they have these these so-called so-called uh, high-definition cameras. Quote unquote, 720 lines, and uh, they are 720 lines, but they're a 700. They're, they're 720 lines based on you know four lines, like interpolated up from four or something crappy. I'm trying to be funny, but the point is yeah. that they suck. They were just terrible. <laughs> I mean, I think like. Who decided that this is D? You know, I mean, they should have they should have divided it up into four thousand lines, or, or to, they should have called it four K by interpolating further, right? Uh, still only ninety nine bucks, right? So the, the you know, <laughs> how good are the image sensors, <laughs> and and how? I mean, I know you guys were showing some pictures, which unfortunately it's tough to evaluate uh, from here because you, you know you know why something may not look as good as it could, you know, so whether it's that's the best it can do or whether there's you know some re coding or something like that that's happening but you know how, how can how does a consumer know to differentiate what sounds like might be a better uh, image sensor in your you know hundred dollar camera than say the ubiquity networks hundred dollars yeah um, and, and that's I mean that's a great question and it's not just you know ubiquity I mean anybody out there you know earlier uh, talking about uh, you know, that you at Target, Home Depot, things like that. I've seen analog camera systems advertised having HD uh, camera capability running through a coax to a 480p analog recorder. So, I mean, you know, the, the buzzwords that are thrown out there that are trying to confuse, I think, mm -hmm. you know, the, uh, is, is unfortunately certainly there. Um, to answer your question about our camera, um, I, I believe, you know, our image sensor, uh, has, the image sensors that we use in our various cameras uh, have been great. We do direct uh, H.264 encoding, um, so it's not up-converted. Cheaper cameras will also use H.263, uh, which, again, the reason they're using it is because uh, it's obviously not as bandwidth efficient, right? So you might be buying a cheaper camera than do 720p or even 1080p recording, but now my file size is you know double what it would be with an H.264 record. Um, or encode. Um, in terms of the the image quality itself, I mean, um, you know, unfortunately uh, for those on audio, I apologize you're not able to kind of see the video feeds that, that Michael's been showing, but I think they really show, especially in an IR environment, when it's an overnight, you're looking directly at, you know, what our IR uh, light is, is providing and how high definition the image is. A lot of people will also say um, when they talk to us or kind of ask us about our cameras, why does someone even need an HD or an FHD camera uh, if all I'm doing is covering the area? Uh, and this, the simple answer is, you know, as, as Michael showed in the camera that, that showed the street is, you know, you're not looking at something at 100% all the time, right? I mean, it's it's the ability to license plate from 40 feet away that if you're looking at an analog camera, that's it. You're never going to get that. You know, at best, maybe you'll get a partial uh, image of someone's face, but with HD, the ability to zoom in, you know, to really enhance it magnification. Um, and, and that, you know, is something that uh, we constantly love getting feedback back from our, our recent, our end users, uh, you know, hearing that our cameras were, uh, able to assist in, in an event that they had, uh, and were the reason they were able to pull a license plate or his face from a you know a burglary something like that. I, I will say I, I've seen some really misleading stuff, and I, I accept that I'm uh, because I've been working with the project for the last 
you know, month or so, I'm, I'm a little more suspect and, and, and looking for it. But I've seen some like Tiger Direct promotional emails recently that's, that said blah, 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 uh, HD. Well, and in fact, what it was, was it was um, 700 TVL cameras connected to an HD-capable NVR. So they're standard def cameras with an analog right. collection to an NVR that would accept connections from HD cameras. <laughs> and, and it's, but it's really, if you're a DIY or small business operator, it's really confusing to say, why does the video not look HD? My NVR is an HD NVR, but you're not feeding it HD signals because you bought the bundle because of, right? right. And, and in fact, if you, if you roll that back and compare apples to apples, um, Grandstream NVR and the Grandstream cameras are a really good value um, compared to some of these things that you see offered by these online vendors, which are, the price performance just isn't the same is what I'm getting at. So there you go. That's as much as I, as much of a testimonial as I ever give. So. <laughs> well, we appreciate it. <laughs> Further questions from the audience as we are at 10 till the hour. And um, yeah, this is overnight from the South camera or no, the North camera rather. Um, Tim was asking if you've seen sighthound.com. I have not. What, what is that? Actually, says, have we. You have has to tell us in IRC. He says he's, his audio is weird. You have to tell us. So he's looking uncomfortable. And um, I have deliberately been, by the way, putting a lot of cam live video in instead of me or in addition to me, so that when people go back and look at this when they're watching the video, they'll have some very visual clues as to what we were talking about. Um, but it's February in South Texas, people, and the garden is not yet blooming. Uh, in fact, maintenance. So that's, that's why it is what it is. Tell you what we could do is I can try to um, get this and then share my screen. Uh, I know what he's talking about. I'll do that in one second. Okay, we're almost there. That looks like... Right. So we're <laughs> watching Sorry. a commercial for Sighthound, but... Um, yeah, event, almost, event detection. We almost missed the most exciting thing that happened there. Well, it'll come back, I'm sure. Drove, drove past. Oh, it's like person of interest, if you've seen the... Oh, wow. No. Look at that. Oh, wait, I'm not... You do this again. You're, you're going to have to move, move houses so that you live in a more exciting area. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, our neighborhood, um, when we moved here years ago, it was, quote-unquote, up-and-coming. Um, now, it's, it's, it's frightful... Um, just the, the way property values have changed and, and such. And seriously, the, the Neighborhood Association has expressed a bunch of interest in maybe having a seminar put on about some DIY home surveillance. Um, simply, you know, there's more traffic on the streets, there's more passers-by, um, there's more crimes of convenience being committed, which tends to be, you know, vehicular sure. and minor, minor little things <laughs> like that. Um, but, you know, if I were running, uh, oh, a wine shop, because that would be the kind of thing I would do, I would definitely need to have the place covered, right? And I'd need the backroom storage area covered. And, in fact, my niece is opening in Sugarland, Texas next month a dance. And um, we're going to end up with probably a half a dozen of your dome cameras and an NVR in there because it's a whole lot more cost-effective to do that than really any other thing we can think of and also achieve meaningful performance so sure. and her husband her husband is a, a cisco network engineer so that's kind of <laughs> nice but anyhow further questions before we wind this down folks or or have we missed anything what have we left out what haven't you told <laughs> what haven't we told you i think we covered pretty much anything anything no um i, I guess the only thing that i would add is just 
coming kind of about TTZ, uh, one of the things that I think is, is interesting in terms of TTZ versus, you know, our and non-TTZ, uh, if you look at the cost structure, TTZ a decade ago was, you know, typically really yeah, there's there's been some um, some there's some kind of weird mic. yeah. Is that better? It it goes on yeah. and off, and right now it's off. The echo cancellation doesn't like that perspective for some reason. Yeah, that's funny. It's a, it's a phase. It is. It's a phase thing. Yeah, you just have to get closer to the microphone. Will do. Okay. Hopefully this is better. Yeah, it's fine. Excellent. Okay. All right. Um. So the difference, but you know, ten years ago, PTZ was readily used by hotels, office buildings that would have someone actively looking around, right? And the only one camera for a large area was you only caught what that person was zooming around and looking at. Um, and the cost of the PTZ camera was very high. Um, costs have kind of slid, especially in the HD uh, lens and imaging sensors. From our perspective, the benefit of having uh, stationary HD cameras that can and still costs significantly less than one camera that's only going to catch whatever that user wants. Um, from an archival standpoint, from an NVR standpoint, might be better, right? Because if something happens, better than you know making a you know a, a security person uh, being effectively your director of whatever's going on in term angle uh, and having different stationary camera angles in HD overlapping in coverage. Uh, and again, the cost benefit nowadays, um, you know, for the most part, why you would overlap cameras uh, and, and still be able to save thousands of dollars on an office deployment. If you're actually looking at my video right at the moment, this is kind of what I've done. Right, uh, you can see my mouse cursor, I guess. Right here is the, uh, well, that's that crepe myrtle, and that's that crepe myrtle right there. So we've got a little bit of overlap in the in the field. You see a car going by, you 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 don't lose the car between the shots. They it flows smoothly from the shots. Um, but you know, I, I do I do also appreciate. Um, we tend to think about these sorts of things, and certainly you guys do. It's your business. Um, the average, your average small business owner um, needs some. I can see a, a big chance, a big opportunity for the company that's going in and selling them phones or a small PBX or something to add this to their absolutely a, a more complete solution. And because it's not, they're not a dedicated security company. They don't, they're not going in and having to make it a big project. It's just another let they're maybe already doing. Absolutely, so that's the challenge to those of you guys out there in the VR, VAR land. You know, as you know, as you said, it just gives you the ability to sell the reseller to sell more to your customers. A lot of times, you know, historically, your telephony guy and your surveillance guy are two different people. They work on different networks, and now, you know, as a telephony, historically, our resellers are on the telephony side of things. You can now add a full surveillance solution, same network infrastructure, same setup, all still going to the same PBX. All you add. Sweet, sweet. It's an opportunity, people. So, so. Uh... My, they call me uh, one last question. I, uh, <laughs> I, um, I do. I do have a number of last questions. So, uh, but let me let me let me ask this. So earlier, Michael mentioned something about um, online kind of hosted solution. I can't remember what you what you called it, but you were calling that out as being a clunky solution with you know. Um, you, I can't remember the name you mentioned, Michael. Some like ubiquity. No, Dropcam are the big, the big players in these little Wi-Fi attached Wi-Fi cameras that have storage, and they must stream to their cloud service, and you you actually pay a monthly subscription fee for their cloud service. Right, and and when when I hear think, damn it, why didn't I think of that and do that first, right? Because here's the thing, right? What I mean, I've seen this model of this business. 
play out a million times, and it's a horrible decision. But it's like to, to, to buy something like that when things like this Grandstream solution are available, say even that Ubiquity solution uh, is available. But it's, but it's really interesting to me to observe how people see things in terms, how, how purchase decision makers who are going to pull the trigger on a purchase of this or something else, how they make a decision based on what seems accessible to them. So they might get a bunch of drops, they think, I can get a bunch of drop cams and stick one here, 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 and then I'll just like open up that app. And I do know how to get apps. I do know how to plug things in. I could probably stick ceiling or, you know what I mean? So like, like uh, it, so people make all kinds of stupid architectural decisions because they are limited by the tools that they know. Another great friend of mine runs uh, like an Airbnb and he basically bought three Comcast subscriptions for each of the floors and bought an Apple Airport floors. And I thought, ay, 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 that's a total kludge <laughs> and unnecessarily expensive. And Jesus, like, why didn't you call me first? And then it occurred to me like, oh, no, that's actually a pretty good solution. Because if he does what I tell him to do, I have to support him, right? Like, I'm going to be the one. You know, and like, and like he, he doesn't know how to set up a router with multi-WAN, and he doesn't know how to set up between different LAN segments. And, he, you know, like, like that's just, or, or even for that matter, set up one LAN with multiple access points. For him and most of the people in the world, a router is the, is the same thing as an access point, is the same thing as a switch. So, so in terms of, like, making a product like this accessible, in some sense, it seems to me it really just has to be accessible. It has to be something that they can do without knowing anything and, and, and maybe moreover being convinced that I can get this and I can make it work and not have to pull anything about, you know, web server or a SIP server or SIP provisioning or, you know, an XML pages and stuff. So I guess, it, I mean, it may be that your target market, but it seems like in some sense it... It could, by rights, be you know, given the low cost, low entry point. Um, but but I, I guess I'm, when you guys conceive of the, the 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 purchase process from the start of the of you know from someone's from concept to execution, you know, like like the hell that one I have. But like, you know, you know, what do you see as sort of the hurdles and how and and, and like how do you make it so that this product is something that, that like my mom or maybe someone slightly more technical than my mom could at least conceive of buying and installing or or is that even or is that even close to being conceivable for yeah, the target I mean, market that's a great question um, and, and again i mean i think you know from five years ago that really wasn't you know there, there were definitely not NVRs in the market that could lean forward and uh our, uh our new gdr wrong microphone can you hear me now yeah, that's really strange. I've, n I've never seen that happen before, but hearing you well enough at all. So you Not need to, call, need to lean in. <laughs> well, especially. <laughs> no, but especially for those no, who have audio only. Yeah, I haven't streamed PC you've got there. <laughs> <laughs> you can blame IBM. Yeah. Um, uh, in the development of the we're still we're still not hearing you. Hang on, hang on, guys. Hang on, guys. Hang on, guys. Do us just a just a favor. Change seats. Just a favor. Change seats. Wow. I think we really screwed up Chrome's. I, really screwed up Chrome's. I have a theory about. I have a theory about the. Uh, the uh, that's James, by the way. That's James, by the way. Oh, is it me? I'm James, how many tell you? <laughs> if, if, if you guys trade seats, I think it's something about the voice, which is garbled by nature. 
Is that better? Yeah, yeah, I think that's going to work. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> something about the laptop. Something about the. We've seen this before, where certain laptops they they have a couple a couple of microphones, and they use one for noise cancellation or echo cancellation, and the other one they use to pick up. And it's like the one on that side is the one it's using, on the other side is not. Michael, right, someone so is cool. stealing your car. <laughs> And to clarify for everyone on audio, this is through a apparently top, definitely not any of our Grandstream phones. So this is the downside of doing the uh, web chat. Um, right. But uh, to answer the question, I mean, the, the NVLBR that we launched, we spent a lot of time developing the user interface so that it has the ability to be um, as basic uh understanding and as, as clear and concise as possible. You know, I think we're definitely getting to the point as the um, general public becomes more technologically aware than they were. I mean, back, you know, even five years ago when iOS and Android devices were still relatively new and people would only know, you know, basic things and now how that has kind of evolved and the average user is now more sophisticated with technology. Um, and, and again, as you kind of come down on the NVR, I, I think that some people, we're definitely not designing it, um, you know, for every home user now. And obviously we have great resellers that, you know, set up and install for businesses and for home users, so they don't have to worry about it. But I mean, from a management standpoint and from a setup standpoint, absolutely. I mean, it's getting to the point where, um, you know, the, the user interfaces are such that most, I shouldn't even say most, but many uh, end user customers are starting to feel comfortable setting them up or at least managing them themselves once someone, once a professional kind of comes in and, uh, and the networking and things like that. And let me just right. kind of finalize that point too. You know, this SIP security, SIP video surveillance is definitely, you know, a newer, a newer thing, a newer, especially, you know, on the, the DIY market specifically. Um, so one of the things we've been doing over the last year and that we're going to do a lot more is getting out and training people, kind of raising awareness that, you know, SIP security exists, that it is truly this easy to set up, um, that you shouldn't be scared by, you know, web user interface. Because the way I look at it, it's easier to set things up using a web user interface. Yes, it might be an extra step, but everything's, you know, very easily broken down into categories for you. So, you know, it's in the market. We're getting out there, raising awareness for it, doing some trainings on it. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. That's a, I think that's, I think that's smart. I think that one of the things I think a lot of people, including me, is just how much bigger the market is when you go down. I mean, like what you've just described is like the, you know, the, the simplification process. And so now instead of being a hundred clicks, it's like, you know, five clicks to exactly. up, and, up and working. Right. And, and I think that the thing that's been surprising me over and over as a technical person, as I watch the market develop in various little sectors and niches, is just how much bigger like like the market that you know going from like 100 clicks to 10 clicks you know that's a that's a hundredfold bigger market but going from like you know five clicks to two clicks is like a thousand times this market yep. size and going from you know going from you know two clicks to one click is like a like a ten thousand fold increase in market or a hundred thousand fold i mean you know, like just I just love phone because everything that the iPhone was beloved for everyone on this call was doing for seven years prior. You know, <laughs> you know and, and it's not a matter of of the technology. I mean, I, the Edge network had been available for three years prior to the advent of the iPhone and GPRS, you know, before then on Palm OS and WinCE and all these, you know, all these mobile platforms. And so so it's really just kind of. I mean, Michael's example, the drop cam is just, of course, of course, of course, it's a terrible product and everyone will buy it. So I keep, <laughs> so I keep thinking like, you know, 
and I keep thinking about like the hurdles in in you know for for end for end users, and I and I keep thinking about this possible mashup between you know like the 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 the, the new Wi-Fi 802.11ac, which is just like a, a quantum leap from five gigahertz, you know, on 802.11n, and how that actually that that type of network topology opposed to the other Wi-Fi technologies, which mostly don't even work. And, and, and so, like, the mashup of that plus the big, fat center of the market that is completely intimidated by even So So while it, while we all know that there's not much difference between running a network cable uh, to a location and a power cable to a no location, know that, and they're not going to find out about it ever. So <laughs> so I'm, I just keep thinking, like, do you guys have any... So I want to ask, like, do you guys have any, any thoughts about, you know, product going forward? You know, could you... Could you make this product more accessible to more people by making it cheap like it is, but have you know 802.11 AC Wi-Fi so that Wi-Fi is a reasonable choice, and then also simultaneously make it so that it is in fact accessible to you know my friend with the with the B who wants to have surveillance sure. or or even that business that just wants to go plug 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 plug. It's on the network because Wi-Fi is the same thing as a network, is the same thing as the Internet, is the same thing as the cloud, is my Google account, for as far as they see it. Of course, it's not, but that's how they see the world. Sure. And so that's my that's my question. I know that's a really long question. But no, no, no. I, I actually have a pretty simple answer for you. Um, you know, Wi-Fi cameras and cloud cameras are potentially in our roadmap going forward. So, yeah, it's, yeah basically. it's. Let, we're, let me backspin that for you, Carl, though, because I'm I'm not a fan. And, and the reason why I'm not a fan is that Wi-Fi, no matter how great it is, it's not determined. And, and, uh, yeah, but think about, about, about 802.11ac, right? right? I know they're, they're all carrier-sense multiple access. In that sense, you're right. But 802.11 is different in the sense that, it, yeah, that it's a beam-forming technology. And so it can, so in some sense, I don't know the degree to which this is the case. I don't know how, I haven't done any to know how good the beamforming function is, but my in my real world testing of like ordinary use cases for 802.11 AC Wi-Fi is that it kicks ass. I mean, like the beamforming aspect is able to, in some to some degree, isolate traffic coming from one you know vector from traffic coming from another vector, and so in that sense, you you, you kind of have your own private spectrum to the degree that the that the uh, echo canceling or, or or echo realignment DSP. In in uh, in is effective. Not I, I don't care, and and it doesn't matter. And the reason it doesn't matter yeah. is is that is that it's it's still it's 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 a shared space, it's common infrastructure. It's 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 a single point of failure, um, and and it's very hard to manage. And imagine this. You know, you you've got one of the reasons one of the reasons why drop cams are such a bad idea is that you know people have trouble with Vonage, people have trouble with call quality for Vonage across right. ATT DSL, right? Uh, well, yeah. all of a sudden you're, you're sending a couple of two or three or four megabit streams. Well, you know, a lot of, first of all, it doesn't support that. So. And then now you've got a you know, QoS issues, both for the video and for whatever audio you've got going on. If you've got audio going, it's for, it just makes for unnecessary complexity. Yeah. And and I, I just see Wi-Fi as being another bottleneck. Uh, I think. hundred percent. I think Carl's but analysis. What exist? Do you know what I mean? Like like wired hmm. networks don't exist. They just don't exist for ninety nine point nine percent of the world. It just doesn't exist. You know. The internet exists. I mean, like, I, I just can't even believe how many people don't understand the world the way you and I do. I mean, I was with a guy 
you know, in a in a kind of quasi-developing nation for for you know an hour about the internet service they had there or it came to my attention that he was talking about cellular internet and he didn't even have any concept of the idea of a of a local area or a or a terrestrial internet link and and so much of the time when i'm talking to like ordinary people i kind of get this glimpse that they have that they have no distinction between like, 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 I was in this conversation with someone for a while, but, but, trying but, to help them figure out what was wrong, and they were saying like, "Well, this person has Wi-Fi, but that other person does have Wi-Fi." It's just like, wait, what? Like, the Wi-Fi isn't off for one person and on for another, and and it came to my attention that she thinks of the, the internet as Wi-Fi, and and so. Well, but what, saying, what you're like, pointing out, Carl, though, what you're pointing out, Carl, though, is that there's a role for value-added resellers, that that. Yeah. There's a role for experts, right? And and yeah. if you're a small business deploying this stuff, you know, if, if you're ordering two drop cams, that's fine. There are no experts. There's nobody in the middle. Hopefully, the warmative enough, and and it, it's it's obvious, right? But yeah, yeah. But but just just as Elon Musk can't put satellites into orbit with rockets made from instructions, you know, there's a role for experts in the world, and that's what we're seeing. Right. <laughs> Um, and that's where the opportunity is, right? The opportunity is for some people to go around and say, the Grandstream dealer, and I make a living yeah, helping right. you spec the stuff out because it's it's not really obvious um, right. to some people, but but to me, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's why guys like you get to play around with this stuff seven years before everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I was mentioning to David Frankel that I was doing this, and you know, David bought a house last fall, and uh, and and. He came to a full stop and said, I had presumed that by this point, or he thought that, that, that this kind of residential home surveillance stuff would be just completely widespread, and, 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 and it's not. And that is, to a certain degree, a technological failure, but it's, to a larger degree, a channel failure. And you know, you've, you've got the taluses and the swans and the, the retail <coughs> brand names. Handling stuff that isn't really, I mean, it's cheap. That's its selling point, right? It's cheap. So and it, it doesn't have to be specified because you you order the box with eight cameras and all the screws that you need to mount the cameras, and you know. But I think the reason that it has failed, Michael, is not a channel failure in my opinion. The widespread. I think the reason it's not widespread is because it's. I think it's the mashup of two factors. One is that it's not essential, right? Heat in your house is essential. Cable TV essential. Internet is essential. But surveillance is not essential, and so therefore. They, they, people have an option to not have it, and if they want it, and if the reality is, which I agree with you, as you say, if the reality is that this is the role of an integrator, the cost of an integrator is prohibitive. I mean, I could do, I could have done automation in my home long ago, but I haven't because I'm not going to do it until I can do it myself, because I'm not going to pay some integrator uh, uh, just an ungodly amount of money, marginal improvement in the quality of my life. You know, I mean, I'm not, so so the point is like I'm gonna do it when I can when I can get the sure. time to figure it out and sort of but the, but like if I were to do it, I might pay four thousand dollars or three thousand dollars for motion sensors and special light switches and controllers and stuff like that. Whereas if I pay for an integrator, which is something that my brother did, you know, he's into it forty thousand uh, dollars or more. And and so the point is like paying an integrator for video ratio analysis of what's the benefit to the cost of paying um, for what Dave Frankel would call a live animal to come over to your house or to your business, think about your problem, and, uh, and, and give you a solution that you either have to 
think about anyway because you have to manage something that you have to pay for ongoing support on. So I guess the point, so, so back to the drop cam thing, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing where they want to bring that value add into their workflow or into their home life. Um, you know, a really, really, really bad solution is better solution if it's cheap enough, you know, and so that's yeah. where I keep thinking about if you can get marginal benefits from AC and you can get, you know, and you can basically do what I think, Greg, which is like make it so that you just buy an NVR and you and you plug, you know, and you open up the app and you plug the things into the wall, and, and <laughs> which are all concepts that people have now for, you know, sort of accidentally as as uh, they, they have these, like people know how to do that accidentally now because of the mobile phones. Um, so now that tool, so AC, you know, apps, you know, those two things are now part of the common knowledge base, 99.99 percenters. And, uh, and so that's, that's where I, that's where I keep thinking about, you know, like, like this has been a pain point for me, I know. And so the reason I keep harping on this from this ease of use perspective is because I know that for a lot of people, that has been the hurdle. You know, they don't, they, they, they're not going to pay for an integrator of the difference between wired and wireless and cellular and terrestrial and all that kind of stuff. And they're never going to learn it. And so that's well, so, clearly so the, point, so the question. Yeah, go ahead. Clear, and, and, and uh, there's, there's room for somebody to make this um, Apple TV simple at the retail level, retail. But above that, which is kind of where we're playing, right? We're playing one step above that. That, yeah. that that's, it's different, right? And that, I would like to let these guys go and have lunch because <laughs> they've been very good, very good about giving us a, yeah, an hour and a half of their time. And it's been an interesting call. Um, and Phil, thank you for taking thank you. the time. We enjoyed this very much. Let's do it again sometime. Yeah, come on, come on back and, and feel free to, well, Ruth is very good about sending us stuff, but we're, we're happy to have you. And uh, Randy, thank you for letting me uh, co-opt uh, Friday. Great call. Great call. Guys, thank you very much. And you are welcome. Keep in touch. Will do, for sure. Thank you. Okay. Cheers, Michael, we'll uh, play some music and then we'll uh, continue with the mature audiences. Yep, that's it. The UC is over for today. And we would like to thank... Simwood.com, who can turn you as a developer into a telco. Concept.com, hosted PBX. ZipDX.com, excellent conference server. And Voxmon.com for our local rate dial-ins. Also, thanks to you regulars who are making things happen in WebRTC, video conferencing, and anything over IP. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.